Good morning, church family. How are you today? It is good to see you. Um, it's good to be here with you. Uh, yeah, next week is a game that many of us as Seahawks fans, or if you are also a Cowboys fan, I'm a Seahawks fan primarily, also a Cowboys fan. It's a, it's a game that we want nobody to win. Is that right? So, um, but yeah, it is, it is good to be here. I'm thankful that you're here today and um, looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you today. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, um, it's, inter- it's an interesting phenomena, the Super Bowl, isn't it? Uh, it's, some want to make it a, a national holiday, which is, you know, crazy that a sport can get to that, elevated to that level. But um, there are always, every, every year when it comes to Super Bowl, there are always people that emerge, stars that emerge, celebrities that emerge. This year is no different, but this year is a, a little different in this way that, as we know, if you've, unless you've been sort of hidden under a rock or you don't watch anything, uh, any news, um, Taylor Swift has emerged in the in the Super Bowl uh, conversation. And uh, any Swifties in the room? Come on now. All right. Um, so, um, oh, I got to stay up here for the video. Sorry, video people. Um, uh, you know, she is. If you don't know who that is, uh, she is a uh, a brilliant, talented young lady uh, who is a musician, um, singer, songwriter, and the reason she's connected to the Super Bowl is because uh, she is, uh, has a boyfriend that plays for the Kansas City Chiefs by the name of Travis Kelsey, and so she goes to his games. It's, it's a love story, right? This, 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 uh, this girl is a mastermind. And uh, she, uh, she has, you know, gotten a lot of attention. Some people don't like all the attention she's getting. Some people don't have a problem with the attention. Get. I don't really understand all of the dislike. But she's a celebrity, and she has sort of risen to the thing. On the other side, uh, for, the, for the San Francisco 49ers, you have another celebrity that has emerged, but he was known as Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick on the last day of the draft when he was chosen in, into the NFL uh, and his name is Brock Purdy, who's now the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. A, a great young man. Much as I don't like the 49ers, he is a great young man. And, uh, uh, but he was deemed Mr. Irrelevant because he's the last pick on the last day. And usually those people are, are irrelevant when it comes to football. But he has emerged as a star uh, for this uh, championship uh, football team. And... Um, it's an interesting contrast, but the reality is both of them have worked hard. Both of them have mastered their craft. They have risen to the top of their craft, and now they really are at the top of their game. And uh, it, 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 is, uh, it is fascinating when you see people who are that good at what they do, the kind of influence that they have. We live in a celebrity culture. And like it or not, celebrities in this culture, whether they are in Hollywood or whether they're in sports or whether they're in music or whatever it is, they shape the cultural narrative. We might not even realize how much they shape the cultural narrative, but they shape what we wear, they shape what we listen to, they shape what we buy, they shape a lot of the cultural narrative. It is just the reality. You might not like it, but it is the reality of what happens. Um... The other reality is that that uh, celebrity culture often also affects the church. And uh, it, 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 
it, it gets into the church and, and we have church leaders and pastors who become celebrities and are connected to celebrities. We have uh, worship leaders uh, who are celebrities. We have whole worship bands who take sort of celebrity status and then you have worship concerts, which is always a strange idea to me. Is it worship or is it a concert? What is that? But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But um, we live in a celebrity culture and, and it affects the church. And, and whenever you elevate... elevate somebody above other people, particularly within the realm of the church, sometimes that can adversely affect God's plan for the people of God. Because the reality is, God has purpose, value, importance for every single person in the kingdom of God. But he doesn't elevate another one person above another person. And the truth is that we know all through Scripture and down through history that God uses ordinary people in ordinary places and He empowers them to do extraordinary things. And that's been true all through history. And we're going to talk about the power of the ordinary today. We're going to start in Mark 3, but we're going to ultimately land in Acts chapter 3. But in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has, has burst onto the scene in the book of Mark. He's doing these miraculous signs. He's teaching uh, these, these new revolutionary teachings. He takes some time. He's trying to get away with his disciples, with his followers, but the crowd chases him. He's trying to get away, as Stephanie taught last week, the importance of getting away with God and, and getting rest. And Jesus did that frequently. And in this story in Mark 3, we see that Jesus was trying to get away. And, he, and then it says that he goes up on a mountain. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Because he had all these followers, but he calls those he wanted. I always think about what about the ones who were also there? <laughs> that were following him. They're like, hey, I want to be a part of that group. Um, but he just chose a group of people that he could spend time with, that he could impart his uh, 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 ministry training to, and he could in, uh, in, employ them or deploy them to do the work and continue the work that he wanted to be done. So he called to them those he wanted. It says, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. I want you to just, if you have your Bible, or I don't know if you can do this on your phone, but highlight, at least highlight in your mind or underline in your mind those words. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Before I go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be gathered here in this place with your people in your presence. And Father, I just ask that as we look at your word that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to every one of us individually and speak to us corporately. Lord, to continue to shape us, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, we live in a, in a world that is broken and hurting, and I pray that each of us could be ambassadors, representatives of Christ, uh, where we are. And Lord, I, I pray that you would once again today set me aside, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, you're the one we need to hear from today. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Acts chapter 3, we're going to go there um, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. Uh, We're going to read this story. Acts chapter 3, what has happened just leading into Acts chapter 3, of course, is that Jesus has been crucified. Uh, He has risen. He's been resurrected. And now he has ascended to the, to, the, to the Father, and he has commissioned the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And, it, and, and the scriptures tells us that he also empowered them with the Holy Spirit so that he gave all of his followers the, the Holy Spirit. And, and we see this in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit falls on the people. Um, they are amazingly transformed. They're able to... Um, uh, hear the gospel in new ways, and thousands of people are coming to Christ, are beginning to become followers of Christ through this um, a- remarkable power of the Holy Spirit that's working through these followers of Jesus. And um, there, is a, there is a unique supernatural unity among the believers. There is a unique power. People are being healed. People are coming to Christ. And then we pick it up in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And I'm just going to read and then talk through this story just a little bit today. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, one day. This was just one day. This was not a holiday. This was not a special day. This was not a Sabbath day. It was just one day. It was just a day. Just like any other normal day, it was just a day. And what they were doing on this day was um, what they did frequently. They were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. That was a normal thing they did. Uh, there was three times during the day they'd, there, there, was a, there was an hour of prayer. Three o'clock in the afternoon was one of those times. Peter and John had done this probably dozens or maybe hundreds of times. They'd just gone to the temple uh, at the hour of prayer. That's just what they do. It was, a, it was a normal, regular activity. Verse 2 says, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Again, this is a guy that was there every day. He's not a new guy. It wasn't his first time there. He was always there. So it's likely that Peter and John, in all the times that they would go to the temple for the hour of prayer, would see the same guy because he was there every day. And he was lame from birth. And, um, and he's at this temple gate called Beautiful. Now, when you look down at historians, what they say about that, there's, there was not really a temple that had the actual name beautiful, I mean a gate that had the actual name beautiful, except that they just referred to this as a gate beautiful because it was sort of ornate. Um, and, and so this was a gate beautiful, guy was there who was there every day, and uh, it's likely Peter and John had probably passed this guy. And I would even speculate, now again, it's speculation, but Jesus also did this regularly. He would go to the temple at the hour of prayer. We see that in Scripture. Um, it, was a, it was a normal Jewish custom. And so it's likely that Jesus walked by this guy as well when he was going into the temple at the hour of prayer. This guy that was there every day asking, uh, begging for alms. So verse 3. 
when he saw, when this lame man saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, I don't know what the tone of this look at us was, but it could have been a couple of things. So the man was asking them for money um, because it was normal for, that was a normal practice in the Jewish tradition to give alms to the poor. So he was asking for alms uh, from Peter and John and from all those who were walking in. And Peter and John, he, he, he catches Peter and John's attention and Peter and one of them says, look at us. Now, I don't know if this was, look at us. Do we look like people who have anything to give you? I don't know if it was that tone, but I, I think the tone probably was, look at us on this day, even though it's just one day. Today is a different day. Because when he asked Peter and John on this particular day, they're sensing that there's something different on this one day. So he says, look at us. And he got their attention. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. <laughs> now, that's a bold thing to say to a guy who's been lame from birth his whole life. They didn't have what the guy was asking for. Uh, they couldn't meet his, his felt needs. They weren't carrying any cash that day. Venmo wasn't a thing. They didn't have money to give him. Um, and, and essentially, Peter says, I don't have anything to offer you except Jesus. What I can give you today is Jesus. They weren't offering a skill. They weren't offering a, uh, a fix. They, they weren't offering advice. They were offering the power of Jesus in response to the prompting of God's Spirit on this one and it's a gutsy move, what they say here. Silver, gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give you. So in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. This is a gutsy thing to say to a person who's been lame his entire life. Imagine what it would take for you to say that to somebody who has not been able to walk their entire life. Why could they say it? it they couldn't say it because, because they just thought, well, this would be a cool thing to do. They'd walk by this guy dozens of times. Why did they say it? on this day. What if it didn't work? But, but Peter and John knew that for whatever reason on this one day, this ordinary day was different than any other ordinary day. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly <laughs> the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and he began to walk then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. It wasn't just a miracle that they healed the guy's legs, but the guy had never walked before. So imagine this miracle. A guy who had never walked suddenly is healed by the power of Jesus, and not only is his, are his legs healed, but he can actually know how to walk, jump, leap, praise God. This is a, 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 an incredible miracle. And all, all the time that this guy had come to the temple, where was he? He was always sitting outside the gate, beautiful. He was always sitting outside of the temple. 
That was his place. That's where he begged. Now, he wasn't prevented from going into worship because he was a lame person, but he was prevented from serving because of his, uh, uh, his disability in those days. But he was normally on the outside, and on this particular day, he got to go inside. Now, remember, it's the hour of prayer. The hour of prayer is a serious time inside the temple. Now this guy gets healed. He comes into the temple. People are in the hour of prayer. And what's the guy doing? He's jumping and he's leaping. And I imagine that the religious leaders are like, hold on a minute. You're kind of disruptive right now. But this guy had been set free. This guy had, had experienced a miracle and not just physically. He didn't have to be on the outside of the temple anymore looking in. He got to come inside. He got to be a part of what was going on. Our one day might be somebody else's miracle day. Our one day where, where we, you know, we think we're just going to go about our normal business. There might be something that happens where the Holy Spirit stops us in our tracks, where we've walked by that thing, that person, that situation a hundred times, and for whatever reason, that one day, the Spirit of God stops us and causes us to stop and think, okay, this day's different. And it's not just different for you, but it's going to be different for somebody else because I'm going to bring you to encounter that person. And sometimes, because of circumstances whether it's circumstances that are outside of our own control or whether it's circumstances we brought on ourselves, dumb things we've done. Anybody here ever done dumb things? Okay. Um, whether it's because we've done dumb things or whether it's because of circumstances that are completely beyond control, sometimes we can feel like ugly sitting just outside of beautiful. We can feel like, man, I, I wish I could be a part of that, but I don't get to be a part of I wish things were different. I wish I, could, I wish I could do what everybody else is able to do, but for whatever reason, these, my, these circumstances are preventing me from being able to do that thing, and that just doesn't seem fair. And I imagine that this guy who sat outside begging for alms had all kinds of emotions each time the people walked into that temple. He probably at sometimes was hopeful. He probably sometimes was angry. He was probably often frustrated. He probably often wished it would be different. And sometimes we, that's where we feel in our lives, right? We wish things were different. We wish it wasn't like this. How come it's not like this for everybody else? And how come it's like this for me? For whatever the reason. Verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. See, people knew this guy. People saw this guy every day. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This guy was a visible testament to the power of Jesus. And the people were stunned. And they thought, Peter and John must be special. And they started going toward the celebrities. <laughs> Peter and John, they... They got something special going on, so they started gathering around Peter and John, wondering, well, they're amazed, not, even, not just at the fact that this guy could walk, and this guy's jumping and leaping and disrupting their hour of prayer, but they thought, man, there must be something special about Peter and John, and Peter says, listen, don't, why are you looking at us as if we've done something? This wasn't anything we did. 
And they say in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Peter and John said, listen, don't look at us. We're not, we're not special. It's Jesus, the one that you killed and that has risen from the dead. He's the one that has given this man strength to walk. He's the one that has done this miracle. He's the one that has worked through us to accomplish this beautiful thing. And then in Acts chapter 4, the religious leaders are mad now at Peter and John. Isn't it funny? They're mad at him, uh, mad at them, because first of all, they were preaching about the resurrection, and, the, and, and one of the groups of the leaders was called the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they didn't want Peter and John preaching the resurrection. They also didn't really appreciate the fact that they said, well, this Jesus whom you killed and rose again, is the one who did this. So they were mad at Peter and John, and they threw them in jail, but they were in this sort of tension because all these people were now starting to follow Jesus. They were starting to respond to the preaching of the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. And it says just before this that about 5,000 more people came to Christ. So now the religious leaders, they're throwing Peter and John in jail, but they know they have this big following, and they're sort of at odds here. What do we do? And then in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, because they're, they're telling him, they're telling Peter and John, you got to stop talking about this Jesus. <laughs> and then um, Acts 4, 8 through 12 says, And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, notice what they call this. They call it an act of kindness. They don't say, if we're being called to account for this miracle, they say, no, this is an act of kindness. Shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone which the builders reject, you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now remember, they're standing at the temple, and, they're, and, the, and Peter and John are saying, Jesus is the cornerstone of this temple. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the one who carries the presence uh, of God. Jesus is the one who can save. He goes on, in fact, and says, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In other words, what Peter and John are saying here is, listen, not only did this man need to be healed, and not only was this man set free, but all of us need Jesus. Every single one of us. Every single one of you, they're saying, needs Jesus. It is by, he, by him that we are saved. And then verse, chapter 4, verse 13, is the, is the incredible verse. And it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want you to hear it. I, I think we have it in the, in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were Ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had what? Been with, 
who had been with Jesus. These are regular guys, unschooled, no special training in the scripture. What was it that made them so, that made them so significant? They, they were not flashy. They were not celebrities. In fact, it's important to understand this, that, that most people believe that, that probably 11 out of the 12 disciples were teenagers. Now, when we, when we see stories about the disciples or depictions of the disciples, whether it's on a picture or whether it is, um, you know, in a TV series or on a movie, we always see them as sort of like 30 to 40-year-old guys with beards and, you know. But the reality is, history tells us that probably 11 out of the 12 disciples were teenagers when they started following Jesus. Teenagers. We need to elevate that truth again because these, these were not, you know, trained, schooled, educated, experienced people, but the difference that, made, that, that, that was made in these guys is that they had been with Jesus. Remember when Jesus called them up on the mountain, what, what he said he wanted them to do? He said he called those he wanted that they would be with him. And so now when, when, when the disciples are operating the power of God's spirit that Jesus had given them, what people recognized about these guys is they'd been with Jesus. And, and what makes them special is that they'd been with Jesus. God takes ordinary people in ordinary places. You might not feel like you're qualified enough. You might not feel like you're talented enough. You might not feel like you know enough, that you have enough education, that you have enough experience, that you haven't studied enough. You might think, well, I'm not a pastor. I can't do those things. Uh, I don't even know what my giftings are yet. Listen, you might feel unqualified. I do all kinds of stupid stuff, and God uses me. I mean, I'll put a, I'll put a meal in the microwave for breakfast, and then the next day... I'll open the microwave and go, oh, yeah, that's right. I put a meal in the microwave for breakfast. I do, all kinds of, I do all kinds of stupid things. But somehow, God God has chosen in his generosity to use me to, to do his work. And he does the same in you. You might not feel qualified. You might not feel talented. You might not feel like you can do enough or whatever. Listen, but can you love people? Can you stop long enough to notice people? Can you show an act of kindness and compassion? Can you listen? Are you open to the prompting of the Spirit that He might just want to do the miraculous through your life, in somebody else's life? He might want to, want to use you to, 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 to make an eternal difference. And listen, thankfully, it isn't dependent on us. It's not up to us, our talented, our, our talent, or our ability, or our wisdom. It is us plus Jesus. He takes ordinary people in ordinary places. This didn't happen inside the temple. This miracle didn't happen inside the temple. It was, it was outside the temple. It's as though, it, like, it's like if you came to the church here today, it's like it happened out in the parking lot. Like you're, you park you're walking in and there's some guy out there that you walk by every day. And on this one particular day, God stops you and, and asks you to minister to that, to that person. 
Um, why that day? Why that moment? It's because that's when the Spirit of God prompted them to respond. Why didn't Jesus heal him? And one of the times Jesus walked by him. Why didn't Peter and John do something on one of the other times he walked by him? Because there was something about that one day that was special that God wanted to use them in that guy's life. And it wasn't inside the temple. It was kind of out there. And that's where this layman encountered Jesus in the form of Peter and John. And sometimes I think what happens in the church is when, when, when Jesus was crucified, okay, when Jesus was crucified, the scripture tells us that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. When it, now, when it says that, what it means is in the temple, there was something called the Holy of Holies. And the only person that could go inside the Holy of Holies was the, the high priest, and the high priest had to go through the veil, and then he, had, he could go into the Holy of Holies, and then he could intercede on behalf, pray on behalf of God's people. But that's the only person who could go there. So there's the, there's the Holy of Holies, there's the inner court, there's the outer court, there's these other courts. But when Jesus died, the veil was torn, and what that represented was, listen, you don't have to go through somebody else. You don't have to be somebody special to encounter the presence of Jesus, that you now have complete access between you and God directly. You don't have to wait for somebody to intercede for you. You have the presence of God available to you yourself personally right now. That's beautiful, but sometimes we still act as though the veil is up. And we, we treat the church building sort of like the temple, like, okay, we walk from the, from the parking lot where the sort of normal things happen, then we come into the foyer, that's sort of like the outer courts where everybody's gathered, and then we come in here, that's like the inner court, okay? So this is a little more holy in this part, but, but, but then you, you, to come up here on this stage, that's like the holy of holies, right? You got to be something special to go from out there to get in here, and then to go from out from in here to get up here. But that isn't true. You don't have to be any different to be up here than you do to be in the, out there as far as value is concerned. Now, should you have training to preach? Should you have training to do the thing? Should you be skilled? Of course you should. But, but there, God doesn't make this distinction between people. God wants to use every one of us. And we got to quit acting like there's still a veil. Like, oh no, that's a holier place. No, you are the holy place where God wants to reside. Ordinary people in ordinary places and he empowers them to do extraordinary things. What was different about Peter and John? They'd been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. I brought a prop. I hate to disappoint you, but I am not going to hula hoop right now. <laughs> you do not want to see that. Um, but this, I, I've, I've done this before, and it's the best way I know to sort of, for me, it, um, to picture this truth, is that when we come to Christ, when we're, we become followers of Christ, that we carry the presence of Jesus everywhere we go, that we operate within the realm of the kingdom of God. So, so we, we live, we take our cues from God's kingdom, God's ways. And so, so wherever we go, because God 
as, as, when, we, when we yield our life to Christ, He fills us with His Spirit. Now we are ambassadors or agents or testaments of Jesus everywhere we go. And so wherever we go, we bring the kingdom principles into that place. So that isn't just here. So the presence of Jesus is certainly here. And what makes this special is not this building or not this room. What makes this special is that the people of God are gathered together in the presence of Jesus, worshiping him. That's what makes this place special. Any place is special when that's happening, right? So, but when we walk out of this place, we're walking out as representatives of the kingdom of God and we carry this this presence everywhere we go. And what's inside of here is, is love, and peace, and a non-anxious presence when we enter the room, and it is kindness, and it is compassion, and it is joy. So where we, wherever we go, we're bringing those king, kingdom principles with us into those places, whether that's in this room, or whether that's in that parking lot, or whether, whether that's in your neighborhood, or whether that is in your workplace, or whether that is in your school. You got to remember, you're carrying the presence of Jesus everywhere you go, and that makes a difference in people's lives. And every one of us who are followers of Christ do that. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the apostles. It's everyone who is a follower of Christ. You bring that. What doesn't belong in here? Things that don't belong in here are things like pride, jealousy, racism, uh, immorality, right? Selfishness. That stuff doesn't belong here. That's why the scripture says, put off the old man and put on the new man. And we walk in the truth and the reality of of the presence of Jesus and we carry him everywhere we go. That is what you can do. And so when you're out there and when you're uh, going about your normal day, a one day can be an extraordinary day for somebody because you're bringing Jesus to them. So how can we be with Jesus? Let me finish with that. I'll call the worship team. Come back, come on back up. How can we be with Jesus? <clears throat> Number one, follow him. Follow him. This is what the disciples did. Jesus asked them to follow him. There's a scripture in Luke 9, says 9.23. It says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And I'm just going to be straight that, it's not that I haven't been straight with you to this point, but... Um, To follow Jesus is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your life as you've known it. But to find the life that is God intended for you to have. It's, I'm not going to tell you following Jesus is, oh, it's just going to be, it's going to be easy now. I mean, no, it's going to cost you everything. It, he's going to say, okay, now you're going to follow me? Okay, now I want your time. You're going to follow me? Okay, now I want your relationships. You're going to follow me? Okay, now I want your pain. I'm going to take that. You're going to follow me? Okay, I want your, where's your wallet? That, that, that money, that, that, that belongs to me too. You're going to follow me? I, I, I want your entertainment choices. That we, when we, when we, when we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. It's, we're saying, I'm going to give my whole life to you. And now it's all yours. And, and Lord, I want to follow you and you show me how, to, how you want me to live this, how you want me to manage the things that you've entrusted to me. But you'll find the life as God intended. So you've got to follow him if you're going to be with Jesus. Secondly, you've got to read the Bible. There's no shortcuts. Um, you've got to learn about him. 
There are no shortcuts to learning about the character of Christ. And if you've never read the Bible, I want to encourage you, read Matthew or Mark or Luke or John and just start to get to know Jesus. Because all of the Bible points to Jesus. And if you want to learn how to be with him, you've got to know who he is. Colossians tells us, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Read the Bible, get into his word, get to know what Jesus is like because God is trying to conform us into the image of Christ. Third, be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be with Jesus, the Spirit of God is always pulling us into, into the, uh, uh, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And the scripture said in Acts 1.8, you will see, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That he empowers us. He empowered Peter and John. And he will empower every one of us to be witnesses, testimonies of who Jesus is. If you want to be with Jesus, you got to be filled with the Spirit. And when you come to Christ and when you say yes to Jesus, you go in those waters of baptism and you proclaim, I'm a follower of Jesus. You are filled with his Spirit. You have the power of God living in you, just like Peter and John had the power of God living in them. But we have to continually be filled. We have to keep being filled with the Spirit. So if you've gotten to a place in your life where maybe you've become sort of dry or sort of empty, today is a day. Today might be one day, but it might be an extraordinary day for you. If you say, God, would you fill me fresh with your Spirit? Because I want to be, I want to recognize when you prompt me on an ordinary day to do something extraordinary. You got to be filled with the Spirit. And, And fourth, practice the presence of Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus said he would be with us always. Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. But we have to be having awareness. Jesus is with us always. That scripture we, we, I mean, that song we sang, I can't get away from him, right? He's with us always, but we've got to practice the presence. We've got to remember he's there. Spend time every day as you're driving your car. Okay, Jesus, Jesus, you're here. Talk to him. Remember, he is with you always. I'm going to add a fifth one that's not going to be in the notes, but I'm going to say this one. Stay in community. You want to know what Jesus is? You want to be with Jesus? You got to be with his people because this group, this family is called the body of Christ. So if you want to be with Jesus, you've got to stay in community. Be with the body of Christ. Let's stand together. I was flying home from Texas a couple weeks ago. And uh, I'd been at a conference, and I was excited to come home. I was tired, and uh, I, because I fly quite a bit, I got bumped to a little better seat, and I was really excited about that. And so I get on the plane, and I sit down, and a woman comes and sits down next to me. She's a little older than me. She sits down next to me, and I'm, I'm getting ready to do what I always do when I get on the plane. I'm getting ready to put on my do not disturb signs <laughs> in my ears. And I, I feel a little nudge from the Spirit of God. Don't put those in yet. I'm like, okay, I just, I want to watch a movie or I want to sleep or I want to do something, but I just want to relax. <laughs> Don't put those in yet. So I didn't. And uh, so we're sitting there and we start to talk a little bit. I think I asked the question, so are you headed home or are you leaving home going somewhere? And so we, we get to talking, come to find out that she lost her husband just about four or five months ago. And so for the next four and a half hours, I, I got the privilege, truly the privilege of being able to 
talked with this woman who was grieving, was figuring out how am I going to manage this farm in central Washington and this or, all these orchards and I miss my husband and we were married all these years and our kids and and I and I lost my wife a couple of years ago and so I, I got to I got to understand and I got to sit and I got to listen and I got to hear her and at and 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 got to talk about Jesus and talk about the peace of Jesus, talk about the presence of Jesus. I got to share with her Psalm 34, 18. It says, um, he, is, he, uh, he is near the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And, I, and, it, and toward the end of that flight, I got to pray with this woman and just pray that God's presence would be with her in the grieving. Listen, that flight was just one day. It was just going to be a day. I was going to put my earphones in. I was going to relax. I was going to watch a movie. I was not going to talk. But the prompting of the Spirit of God made me stop that what I was doing. And that one day, not only hopefully for this woman, but for me became an extraordinary moment. We got to just talk about Jesus as we shared some common um, issues in our lives. Somebody out there is having a one day and God will use you to turn it into somebody's extraordinary day. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Would you close your eyes? Have you been with Jesus recently in your life? Have you been with Jesus? Are you spending time with Him? Are you getting to know Him through His Word? Are you practicing the presence of Jesus? Maybe you're feeling a little bit dry or empty and you just need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And if, you, uh, if you're in a spot right now where you, you, you want God to empower you to do the extraordinary, even though you don't feel like an extraordinary person, listen, God uses extraordinary, uh, ordinary people in ordinary places to do extraordinary things. And if you want to be a person who God uses to do the extraordinary by His power, not by your abilities, not because you're a celebrity, but because of God's power working in you, if you want that in your life, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. If you want God to use you to do the extraordinary, maybe, maybe take your one day and turn it into an extraordinary day. I want to pray for you. Father, you see the hands that are raised. And Lord, first I pray. Your, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit fresh and new. That we would operate not in our own strength, not in our own power, not in our own ability, not in our own wisdom, not in our own talent. Lord, although all those things matter, but that we would operate driven by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the nudgings of your Spirit. Lord, that where we would normally do the thing we always do, that when you want us to stop, we'd stop. When you want us to respond, we'd respond. That we'd see people through your eyes and not just through our own eyes. And Lord, that we may not have silver and gold to give, but Lord, we would give people Jesus. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for those who feel like they're sort of ugly outside, looking, out, looking from the outside toward the gate beautiful. Lord, I pray that you'd show us that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do your good works. Lord, do that through your people, I pray. Fill us with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.